Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another Market Insights podcast, where we discuss our firm's latest thinking on global capital markets and current events. My name is Naj Srinivas, Corporate Communications Group Manager here at the firm. And I know we say this a lot, but we have a very special episode again today. I'm joined today by content analyst Elizabeth Dellinger. Hi, Naj. Elizabeth, late last month, Ken released his latest book, or a revised book, The Ten Roads to Riches, which you helped him author. And so I thought it'd be really fun for us today just to talk about The Ten Roads to Riches, what they are, and maybe what's in this latest updated book. Sure. Sounds great. So, Elizabeth, why the updated book? Let's start there. Well, it's uh, I'd say let's go back. So this book came out first in 2008. It was a rather bad time for any book to come out about finance because it came out in autumn during the financial panic and uh, there was a lot going on to put it mildly and a book just about pure wealth creation was always going to fall through the cracks and probably frankly seem very out of step with the times. But a lot of wealth was actually being destroyed. (laughs) Exactly. Very ironic timing. Um, So what happened was that this really fun book that Ken wrote, which was just very different, not a pure investment book, not very technical, but just full of a lot of fun stories and probably one of my favorite things that he's ever written, ended up falling through the cracks. Um, And as we sat back and reflected on it, we realized, you know, a lot of people missed out. Maybe refresh it, give it a new lease on life, and help it finally find an audience. It is a really fun read. Thanks. So let's go through the 10 roads. Um, I think that'd be really fun for our readers. We don't have to go through them in detail, but I think just giving them a little bit of a sneak peek on each of the roads would be would be interesting. Sure. So what's the first road? Uh, the first road is starting your own business and growing it into something successful, whether we're talking your own restaurant chain or you know something really big like Bill Gates starting Microsoft and Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak founding Apple. If you just think about the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans, a lot of those folks are founders. A lot of those folks are founders. And if you look at the top of the list, that is definitely the richest road. I mean, you have Bill Gates right up there at the top. You have Jeff Bezos from Amazon trying to catch up with him. Um, And of course, our own uh, company founder here, Ken Fisher, also took that route. How about the second road, Elizabeth? Uh, The second road is sort of similar as the first because you will still be running a business except instead of starting it yourself, you will take the reins as CEO of an established and up or up and coming firm and just try to juice it and grow it. So here, it's not so much being Steve Jobs, more as say being Warren Buffett buying a small textile firm called Berkshire Hathaway. Or Tim Cook taking over for Steve Jobs. Or Tim Cook taking over for Steve Jobs or Steve Ballmer taking over for Bill Gates. Got it. How about the third road, Elizabeth? Uh, the third road is for those who really like being involved in a business, uh, but necessar- or don't necessarily want the glitz and glam and heavy is the head that wears the crown that comes with being CEO. Uh, so it is what Ken calls the ride-along road, where you just find a very successful founder, visionary, CEO, and hitch your wagon to them and just be their number one, their go-to, be the Charlie Munger to Warren Buffett, be the Jeff Silk to Ken Fisher here at Fisher Investments. 
And sometimes that eventually leads to becoming CEO as Tim Cook did at Apple. And sometimes it just really leads to a very fun, rewarding work experience and a very comfortable life without ever having to, you know, have the hassle that comes with actually being in charge. It's all about, as you said it, hitching your wagon to the right horse. Mm-hmm. You got to be on that horse that's leading out the pack. Exactly. And, and, and finding the right finding the right horse is, is really the, the hardest part here. I mean, you know, you could find Elon Musk or you could find somebody who will just never go anywhere. And they might seem equally charismatic and creative as the company's being founded. So it takes a lot of discretion and discernment. Then, of course, the, the other part of, of that is not only hitching your wagon to the right horse, but then sticking to it over time, being loyal over a long period of time to not only see whatever that enterprise is grow, but then also being able to reap the rewards of it as it grows over time. Exactly. Well, at the same time, not being too much of a yes man, because very few CEOs have people that are willing to stand up and say, no, this is a terrible idea. You should do X, Y, Z instead. And so often they really rely on the ride along to be what uh, Warren Buffett jokes is his abominable no man in Charlie Munger. How about the fourth road to riches? Uh, Well, the fourth road is probably the hardest one for anyone to navigate if they're over the age of, say, 17, because that is the road to making it on pure talent and becoming rich and famous, whether that is as the next Jennifer Lawrence or the next Derek Jeter or uh, the next hip hop entertainment mogul like Jay-Z. What does it take? To, to do that, though, I mean, for those listeners who have kids out there and they want them to become the next superstar, what does that road look like? It looks like a ton of hard work, a lot of focus, a lot of sacrifices when you're young, and frankly, a lot of luck just in being at the right place at the right time. And often even just pure skill isn't going to get you there. I was reading the other day an interview with the actress Emma Stone who is a very talented young lady and talked about how she could not get a role when she was auditioning around Hollywood as a blonde young lady. What it took was dyeing her hair red and walking into just the right audition room for them to say, you've got the look. A lot of it isn't about skill. It's just about right place, right time. So there's a fun anecdote in this chapter about the one unifying factor amongst rich moguls. Oh, yes. Uh, Apparently, you have to own a sports team. I don't know why. It's a thing they all do, even if it's just like a small percent of a percent, which is how much of the uh, New Jersey Nets Jay-Z owned. Um, Or, you know, you can be Mark Cuban and just outright buy the whole team and have a lot of fun upsetting NBA officials. But, yeah, got to own a sports team. Uh, and that's the price to entry. <laughs> that's the price to entry. Uh, and note, Derek Jeter is currently in the process of trying to buy a sports team. The Miami Marlins, right? Yep, with Jeb Bush. So this next road to riches is actually one of my favorite roads to riches. <laughs> uh, Mary well. <laughs> the very controversial road. Uh, yes. Uh, you- Depends on whose side you're on if it's controversial. <laughs> well, you know. Just means there's debate. Um, yeah, uh, and we uh, we went to great lengths to stress that this does not entail, you know, trying to marry somebody rich and just 
putting up with a lot of annoyance and unhappiness. No, we really want readers to take this route to fall in love, find the right person, and be happy. It's not just being rich in terms of money. It's being rich in life and everything else that comes with it, too. Exactly. It's about uh, being, shall we say, John Kerry rather than Anna Nicole Smith. (laughs) John Kerry, of course, who married into the Heinz ketchup fortune. The next road to riches is probably my least favorite. It's interesting that you put my most favorite and my least favorite back to back. They're, uh, they're the two uh, ones that stir the most discussion, shall we say, because the, uh, well, the chapter is jokingly titled, Steal It Like a Pirate, But Legally, uh, because it is all about plaintiff's lawyers. Everyone's favorite people. Everyone's favorite people. Doesn't everybody love a trial lawyer? <laughs> the, uh, the interesting thing about this road is that when Ken did the first edition of the book a decade ago, there was one plaintiff's attorney on the Forbes 400 gentleman named Joe Jamal, known as the Tort King. Uh, Since then, he has sadly passed away, and now there are no plaintiff's attorneys on the Forbes 400. So uh, it is a way to get rich, but I happen to think that it sort of sucks your soul out. So if you want to have money and maintain your soul, you you don't have to be a plaintiff's attorney. It's a long, hard road to being a lawyer just generally, but then on top of that, if you want to get to the top, you're going to have to do a lot of dirty work. A lot of dirty work. Because it's, I think there's a very common misperception that just being a lawyer in general is a good way to make money. Um, But the reality is that I've heard from a lot of people and confirmed in doing the research for the book, second edition, is that just the, the first few years are a lot of long hours for a lot of pay that just doesn't add up for that work. And only very few make the upper reaches of the profession. What's the most important takeaway for someone who wants to go down this road, make their riches by being a trial lawyer? Um, I would say the biggest takeaway is don't forget to take acting classes because you will really need to ham it up in the courtroom. Uh, Probably one of our most famous trial attorneys, one John Edwards, who eventually ran for president, he made his name, if I'm remembering this right, by actually channeling the spirit of a fetus in his mother's womb, just begging the jury to help him by awarding all of these damages to this family whose son they claimed had cerebral palsy because of something or other that some big evil corporation was involved with. And the science was not there, but um, the impassioned plea worked. So take drama classes. And maybe get a dog, because you're going to make a lot of enemies along the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the movie Aaron Brockovich made the profession sound a lot more glamorous and do-goody than it really is, because the reality is you're going to upset a lot of people. Moving on to other people's money, our business. Yes, our business. The, uh, the other road that Ken Fisher took. Um, And incidentally, the largest percentage of the Forbes 400 falls under this category. So this is your uh, money managers, wealth managers like us. It's your hedge fund guys. It's your mutual fund managers, your Carl Icons, your uh, Ray Dalios, and your Ken Fishers. And there's quite a lot of those 
captains of finance at the top of that Forbes 400 list again. Mm-hmm. Although, interestingly, pretty much nobody in the pure insurance world... Um, it is a financial industry, and you can make a comfortable living doing it. But if you want to get up to the upper the upper reaches, then probably want to uh, skip over insurance and go more into traditional money management. Now, the next road is being an inventor, inventing something. What's important for people to know about this road? Uh, the most important thing, and it goes whether you're inventing or trying to be a songwriter or be the next George Lucas, isn't so much what you invent, but how you keep ownership of your invention. Because the real road to riches on this is the endless royalty streams that you get. Uh, so for George Lucas, while Star Wars made a bundle of many, he wouldn't have seen a lot of that if he hadn't negotiated up front to take a very small director's fee in exchange for a cut of future royalties in perpetuity and ownership of all of the characters and everything, which he could then license and spin off into lunchbox and action figures and everything else. It's the uh, the same model that J.K. Rowling found with Harry Potter. George Lucas was one of the first ones to really take the intellectual properties and do that and license it and make money outside of just the box office. And of course, now we know that movies today, the box office receipts are are really just a small part of the total money that these intellectual property holders make because of all those lunchboxes. Do do people still use lunchboxes? Does that happen? Uh, I think they do. I was asking my cousins about this the other day and they said, yeah, we use lunchboxes and they have Star Wars lunchboxes, which really warmed my heart. (laughs) Some things never change. (laughs) Nope. Technology might, but lunchboxes are still around. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move to the next road to riches, being a land baron. Yes. Uh, So this one is all about using leverage to buy up property and turn it into income-producing machines. Uh, It is, shall we say, very difficult to do in the state of California, uh, where we have a housing shortage and a lot of restrictions and... um, city councils that like to kill development projects, which is the bane of my existence as a renter in the South Bay. but um, And mine in San Francisco. And yours as well. Uh, but if you are in a place that is a little more friendly to development, uh, you can eventually do a lot by buying up a distressed property, fixing it up, building something new. Um, and apparently, uh, if you play your cards right, you can then seg into having a reality television show and becoming president. So <laughs> if you want to be president, I mean, maybe not a bad way. Real estate is the way to go. Real estate is the ticket to the White House. At least these days. At least these days. Now, the last one, the last road to riches is is probably the least surprising to people. Indeed, the least surprising and the one that most people, not Forbes 400 people, but most normal people take. It's the one I'm taking. It is the road to saving and investing well and just being a very focused, good steward of what you're blessed to earn in life. And, you know, it's actually one of the least appreciated, too, especially by a lot of the big moguls out there in the world, you know. A lot of them, there's, there's tons of examples of folks who, sure, they made a lot of money, but the problem is 
they spent more money than they made because they always just assumed it would keep coming in. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at stuff in uh, the Famous People chapter, we discussed the rapper uh, 50 Cent and his purchase of, uh, or his stake in vitamin water, which made him a lot of money. And then a couple of years later, he ended up in bankruptcy because there were some spending issues, some investment issues um, versus people that believe in the power of compound growth and are just very dedicated and not too flashy. MC Hammer was in that category for a while. There's tons mm-hmm. of professional athletes who fall into that camp too because they come into a lot of money really quickly, but they just never learn the value of saving and investing well and not spending every dollar they make. Well, and a lot of them have a lot of uh, A, unscrupulous people flocking to them and wanting cut, and B, just a lot of hangers-on. I mean, it takes a lot of money to maintain your personal chef and your own yoga coach that travels with you. Um, You know, if you want to have the world's biggest collection of Jimmy Choo shoes, that can set you back tremendously. Uh, We, uh, the example we continuously come back to is Madonna, who has earned well over a billion dollars from ticket sales and albums alone, yet has nowhere near that reportedly. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to your comment about the company you keep, this goes back to the third chapter of the book, which is, you know, being a ride-along, but also selecting the right ride-along. You know, the person who's actually going to help you, not just draft off of you. You don't want somebody flighty. You don't want somebody who's going to move on for greener pastures after they squeeze everything out of what's around them. Again, going back to Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, you know, Charlie Munger is arguably one of the most important people in Warren Buffett's life. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much, Elizabeth, for walking us through the 10 Roads to Riches. If you haven't picked up a copy, you can pick up a copy at Amazon.com or any other major booksellers. Uh, it's a really fun read. Thanks a lot. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. For more, please visit marketminder.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. The content of this podcast represents the opinions and viewpoints of Fisher Investments and should not be regarded as personal investment advice. No assurances are made we will continue to hold these views, which may change at any time based on new information, analysis, or reconsideration. Copyright Fisher Investments 2017.